The most advanced artificial intelligence system asks questions about what it means to be a witch, how it differs from sorcery, and the common traits that might give away someone's path in the craft. This and more on Witchcraft Deconstructed. Alright, so this format's a little bit different. We're going to ask the most intelligent AI system in the world, OpenAI, we're going to ask it to ask us questions. And in this case, it's just asking questions about modern witchcraft. That's it. Or rather, a modern witch. So, I plug this in. I say create a list of questions for my interview with a modern witch. And the first question that comes up is... What is one of the most common misconceptions about witches? I get the question all the time if I'm a good witch or a bad witch. Which one are you? And I always say that I am neither. That is a very, usually in the context I'm getting that question is when I am at home in the Midwest in the Bible Belt. Can you um, imagine if, if that's how the movie went, The Wizard of Oz? Are you a good <laughs> witch or are you a bad witch? Well, that's a complicated question. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of, should I say, Christian expectation with that question. I think there's a lot of media expectation. I media think... expectation. I mean, I, I think generally speaking, like, because I'll get this from older relatives, too. So mm -hmm. maybe not quite as tied into the media, but absolutely the media does pl play into this very much so. And it's, I think, also the misunderstanding of what I personally do in a religious context. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the, oh, are you out there casting spells on people? But again, even in that context, right, it, it's a it's, it's not a, it's not it's 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 still even that terminology. Are you casting a spell? Right. Even that's horribly misunderstood. That's what my grandma would say. Why don't you come sit for a spell? Right. Right. You um, want to chat for a spell. And people don't use that terminology. So what they fail to understand is that that a spell means that you're doing something. A spell is a period of time. For example, we had a hot, we had a hot spell. We just don't hear that in our dialect, I think, or as language as much as we used to. So I think when somebody says you're going to cast a spell, you're really you're really saying I'm dedicating time to think about and and do something to kind of align my intentions or or to focus in on a particular topic. That for or to me dedicate is dedicate actions to a certain goal. Yes, that's a much better way of putting it. Absolutely, and and it's a bit like like. When you are fishing and you're casting a lure, right? If you're taking time, you're literally casting for a spell on a particular subject. You're focusing in. You're trying to reel in something that you desire. The, the fishing analogy or metaphor might be um, a, not 100%, but it's still, I think it's it's similar. But, but yeah, there's like misconceptions. Like we say, cast a spell. And it's like when you break down those words and you really drill into it, it just doesn't mean much more than I'm going to spend time um, working on something that I want, working on a goal, and and maybe using means that that are unfamiliar to most people in order to do so. And I've really sort of enjoyed introducing my family to some of my traditions, my holiday mm -hmm. traditions, and not really saying like this is witchcraft, and then later being like, oh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to because a lot of the a lot of the traditions, a lot of holidays that we celebrate are actually pulled from a number of different cultures. Sure, just... sure. But then, but then saying to them, 
this is what I would be doing at home within my coven. Mm -hmm. And then they're very shocked because they're like, oh, this, this, we're, we're drinking hot cider right now. Like that's, that's not what we thought you did. But it's the implication that what I'm doing is somehow evil or bad or suspect in some way because I am outside of their religious norms. So that, are you sure, you know, are you sure that's what makes them suspect? That's sure that's what <laughs> makes you sus? Or is it just um, like I'm, their natural proclivities for dealing with you? I think there's some natural pro- proclivities <laughs> there. I, I, I am the black sheep of the family. I did leave my hometown. I am not married. I do not have children. Heaven God, forbid, God. right? Wait, I have what? an education. I'm sorry, this is getting into the stereotypes, but we're not too far off from where I grew up in terms of what women are still expected to do. So I am sus, as the the kids say these days, in many ways. But I get this question a lot. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? And Mm. I reply with neither. So that's, that's, I think, a really big misunderstanding of my practice in my personal life. Yeah, like there's there's a good, like there's an obvious good side and an obvious bad side. Yeah. I, I think probably... And I think what potentially presents that, like, you are you a good witch or are you a bad witch, stems from media. And and people get this information from movies and from television and from books. And there's just a ton of it. And the problem we've got is that your archetype witch with the pointy black hat and the warty nose and it's and and the sort of nefarious relationship with the natural or or supernatural world. Is is just ingrained into the cartoons, into the television shows, into our movies, and even when there's a positive spin, when we're talking about, say, like Harry Potter, for example, and and I think Harry Potter has actually brought like the craft into a certain frame of mind and mainstream that's probably been the most beneficial for the craft, even though it's like way the fuck off. It's still obviously uh, fiction. Right. But uh, from a perspective, I don't think I've seen so many Christians as enamored with the the concepts that are portrayed in that book and the sort of old world feel that's portrayed and, and comes out through the movies. I think I think at that point, then there's just this it's sort of overlooked the fact that there really isn't a religion. Let's put it that way. There isn't a religion in the per se Harry Potter world. You're going to learn some shit. And part of what you're learning is techniques. It's a bit like going to school and then using guns. Right. <laughs> well, again, they, they go to school too. And I say this in quotation marks, cast spells, right? It's to right. learn how to use magic. It, it, it has nothing to do with the, the modern pagan experience in that sense, right. but it certainly scared a bunch of Christians to death. I, I remember well, some, yeah, but I I think that it probably brought. I think there are tons of Christians that recognize that it's just a work of fiction and became enamored with the concept. And I, and, and oh, sure. there are oh, people sure. who Definitely. have bridged there, that there have gone from people. when they when they realize that there is kind of that there there is paganism in America, that there is witchcraft in America, and that. They go from this being enamored with this this piece of fiction and this style and a way of approach and realizing that there are good characters that are perceived and, and presented here. And then they find out that, wait, there is witchcraft. And is this anything like it? There are plenty of times through history, whenever a movie or a popular television show comes on, you go to the new channels or the new social media groups. And when people come in, oftentimes what I'll find is that people will have 
had that in their life. And while that may not have been the reason why they joined the craft or decided to step foot on this path, it is definitely an influencer. It has I'm sure. I'm sure that perspective. Harry Potter was a gateway drug to many people, specifically in my <laughs> generation. And I think that those of us who loved Harry Potter so much when it first came out, I was in high school when it came out, mm. we're also now really struggling with how awful J.K. Rowling has sort of turned out to be. <laughs> and that's that's another discussion and we don't need to go down that road. But I, I do think it also brought out sort of the modern fear of witchcraft, right? Back in the 80s, we had the satanic panic. And then Harry Potter was sort of, and it was, I think, mild in comparison. I, I don't know of anyone who went to prison for, you I mean, know. That's a huge jump. <laughs> like we had the craft, we had practical magic. Like we've had a, a series of movies that have really shaped the cultural approach towards it and you even look at the books of the time like you'll notice that the books reflect very much the appeal to an audience that has already been primed based on the, the popular movies of that time well and i look at Feruza bulk from the craft she mm -hmm. opened her own witchcraft store i don't think she still owns it but she actually went out and opened oh, her own shop out in la and owned it for a very long time i don't i don't know that she still does but yeah like she very much like and speaking of people who like get into it and then like make that transition, I don't know. I, maybe she was into the, the craft before the craft came out, but she was just so heavily linked to it that you're kind of like, fuck it, let's just open a let's store just and make do money it. from let's, this. Let's make money, yeah. But uh, I do think that media plays into it, and and there's been a lot more of it. Like when the craft came out, there weren't a lot of movies like the craft. No, well, and, and I think the craft was a little bit daring in the way they portrayed witches in that sense because. Obviously, there there were some. I don't know. It was just. A, it was. It, I always have found the craft to be a very dark movie in that sense, mm -hmm. and I think really embodied some of the fears that people had <laughs> in that sense. Well, and again, yeah, it, it's the, it the draws good witch, this, bad this witch. caricature, right? Yes. This cartoon, this this the this I, Yeah, this it's not just it's not just an extreme. It's this. If you've ever seen caricatures, drawings, caricatures of people, it 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 exaggerates features. Right, it exaggerates beliefs. If you have a, a slightly large nose, then a drawing of you might have like a huge nose on it, as an example. And in this case, through time, because witchcraft was basically tamped down, and then it's carried throughout our history, and basically those who win get to write history. So what we have is a lot of legend and lore told by those that were in the position of fearing it and exaggerating it. And then over time, it's gone from creepy to, oh, isn't that adorable? And it's transformed <laughs> over time. Now we see like half the Nickelodeon shows are about witches. And I think the most, whenever somebody asks me like, you know, what, what's an authentic, something a little bit more authentic in the feel, I would say earlier on Practical Magic had that authentic feel, right? The people whom I knew at that time that were really deep, it was really deep into their life, it was really well integrated, was very much like that, was very much like the two aunts. Well, I mean, I think that the two aunts are who we all want to be when we grow up, right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. After, you know, absolutely. And the thing about that movie, too, is that like the story of acceptance that's kind of going on with it as well, because unlike the craft, where it's something to be afraid of or that you don't want or whatever, yeah. the good witch, Too much bad power, witch, bad power like, corrupts. Yeah. That was like the point of the craft. Here's some yeah. power. Watch how it corrupts these young ladies. 
the practical magic was more of that integration of with the community and getting the, the community to accept what they were doing and to, I don't want to say introduce the community, but to um, embrace the strength of community in that sense and showing women how to empower themselves, right? So, so right. sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from the craft. So that's still one of my favorite movies. I think for for most of us of a certain age, we we love that movie. Maybe I'll watch it. And, and it sets a tone, right? It sets a style almost. Like <laughs> it, you say, I want to be the, like that. They become models. It's the you always joke about how on like TikTok and Instagram you, you get people who like the aesthetic of witchcraft, but mm-hmm. practical magic is absolutely the aesthetic of like American witchcraft in that sense that the house, the the fashion, what they're doing. <laughs> This is very much the aesthetic. Like I could go do it's a craft, craft magic. Yeah, it's craft craft. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Please have fun with that. I, I certainly enjoy having the the aesthetic. Actually, funny story, side note, I was at the Strand yesterday. Anyone uh, who's familiar with New York might be familiar with the Strand. Which I'm is not. one what of is, what is the Strand? It is this huge, amazing independent bookstore that sits down on Union Square. It's it's been there for a very long time. If you love books and you come to New York City, you have to go to the Strand. And I, I stopped at the Strand for the first time since the pandemic had started yesterday and was browsing around and found a bunch of, of different things. And I, I decided to buy a new like tote bag and it was a very witchy tote bag. And I watched up to walked up to the counter and put all my my pile of purchases on the counter and and the lady the nice lady who checked me out looked at it and looked at me and looked at it and she said well this is very on brand (laughs) and i was like yep you got me (laughs) you pegged me exactly (laughs) very on brand that's fantastic (laughs) Uh, i'd say that the the best the best show right now and granted it's a little bit well it's well, it's been a little bit TLC, it is called The Good Witch. And the thing I like about that show is that you're not actually seeing, per se, uh, a lot of the stuff that you end up seeing, which is being able to light candles from a distance or the flick and swish of the wand moves some shit or that kind of thing. Like that, that again, is an exaggeration. That is, that is based on the fear that's then kind of been transitioned over time to the, ah, oh, that's cute realm. And then moved into the kind of the fantasy realm. And I fear that that's kind of what draws people in is this ability to affect the natural world in, in natural ways. And the, the quote unquote supernatural. And the fact of the matter is, is that's one of the biggest con- misconceptions in witchcraft is that, that, that there is this, that there is this supernatural world. It's just all natural. It's just all natural. There's just, and it, there is no more control than you could have now without it. It's, it's a method. It's a set of techniques. It's, it's a means of working on yourself and, and, and working on how you interact with your environment. But I don't, I don't subscribe at all to the idea that we're interacting with a, a supernatural world. I think what we're doing is we're interacting deeply with a natural world, deeper than most people are willing to go. But it, it Oftentimes I find that people have that interpretation and then they get in the craft and they get disappointed because they thought they were going to be able to find easy ways to deal with their life, easy ways to escape dealing with problems, easy ways to manipulate people without interfacing with them. And it just, they're disappointed. It just, 
doesn't work or they do shit and works half the time and doesn't work the other half of the time, which might as well be flipping a coin. Or it right? really backfires on them, right? Uh, yeah. Or, or just, well, oftentimes I find the backfiring is just simply, or if it backfires, who's to say that you actually did anything to cause a backfire? Now, now you're, you're supposing that that when something bad happened, that might be related to what you did, but in reality, it might not. So it leaves you suspicious of your own work and potentially the craft in general. It's uh, it's this. That's probably the biggest misconception is this idea that somehow it's going to give you a leverage over the outside of your world when in reality the leverage is internal. Like your your biggest leverage is going to be you dealing with fucking you, and that's honestly the hardest thing to do. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Okay, so let's go on to the next question. What does the term witchcraft mean? To me, I, and I think... First off, let's stop and appreciate for a second that, that AI came up with these questions in and itself. When you originally sent me the like a, a list of questions, I think this is a different list of questions than you had originally sent me, mm. I was really impressed. I didn't think this was AI-generated. And then you explained it to me, and I was like, What? <laughs> AI. It's, it's really Maybe. impressive that it that you just give it a very simple perspective and, and it comes up with like it like these are accurate to the point like these are questions you might ask a, a, a in an interview with a modern witch anyhow I'm sorry to move on to the question that's a bit meta there what does witchcraft mean to me was that the question mm -hmm. or what does witchcraft mean um to me and again I, I think this is very subjective I think this answer will definitely vary person to person I think witchcraft is being able to affect and change the world around me having power over my life sort of going back to what we were just saying in terms of this being about you as a witch i always have the ability to change the outcome of my situation or a situation or to set a goal and to get there i mean again not all of it is about doing magic or casting spells or, or whatever but at the same time i have the ability to change the path i'm on and to get myself out of situations or to bring me the things that i want to see in my life it's a very proactive active path in seeking the life i want and it gives me power to do that it's very empowering so what does witchcraft mean to you wade oh so many things uh, and and again, it's a big question, right? There, there's so many different aspects of this. There are so many different areas of my life in terms of what witchcraft is. There's the spiritual side. There's the, the practicing side. There's the aesthetic side. There's so many, like for me, witchcraft is very much integrated into who I am as a person. Um, it's very much a part of my daily life. I'm very out at work. I'm not in the broom closet. So this, this is definitely going to be a different balance for, for anyone else. But yeah, at the end of the day, it gives me power to change my circumstances. Give me a moment here. I'm looking for a word. <laughs> and it's a word. Here we go. I hate it when it's morning time and I just can't find the simplest of fucking words. You think like I'm looking for something like really arcane. And it's not. <laughs> not in the slightest. All right. So, what does the term witchcraft mean? And again, it's 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 you're going to get a slightly different answer from anyone that you particularly ask. But it, for me, it is it is a practice. It's like the art form 
of mastering the N of 1. Uh, and what I mean by that is that in science, generally when you're trying to, to find something that has the widest, broadest, truest effect, you're looking for the N of X, the N of the largest community. And when we talk about the craft, we talk about kind of the inverse of that, I think. I think we're talking about how do we figure out the N of 1, and the 1 is you. You as an individual, how does your world speak to you? And not just you and what you're conscious, but you and what you're not conscious. I've talked before about the, the mundane mind, which is kind of our front-end logical rational, versus our magical mind, which is our emotional. And if these two things don't communicate very well at all, one operates in symbols, your magical mind, the other one operates in, in uh, more front-end verbal, language uh, reasoning, logic, etc., and I'm not saying that there's not logic and magic. What I'm saying is there's there's two frames of mind and that the most powerful, I believe, is the magical mind, the one that's intuitive, the one that is feeling, the one that says, yeah, yeah, you can rationalize that shit all you want to yourself, but this is how you really feel. And that the world is designed, is set up to speak to and be interpreted by symbolically your magical mind. That's really where our responses come from. So if we're going to get attuned with that, if we really want to have power over our lives and over the world that, that, that orbits around us, then we need to figure out how to communicate between the two parts. We can need to figure out how to get emotional buy-in from our magical mind for that which our mundane mind desires. So it's really a practice of learning the end of one and the end being you. It's, it's a leveraging of your own superstitions. We talk about that as being a fluff thing, but, but our superstitions are a part of how our mind responds to symbols in the world, even if they don't make sense. And it's also a means of, of, of using our own placebos in order to, to manipulate ourselves, that when our brain says, yeah, I buy that, when our magical mind says, I buy that, I'm gonna play in on that, yes. When I cast a circle, what I'm saying is where we're playing, the floor is lava. That's a placebo. Like I have a, a chemistry effect, like I get a panic when I accidentally cross the line or somebody was to shove me over the line that is my circle. Like the, my, I'm invested in that false reality in that imagined or figment, if you will, I'm, I'm bought in. And that the ability to leverage that to manipulate ourselves, to change our mind, to align ourselves with what we're trying to do in our lives, people tend to want to control their world or control their bodies, for example. But I think one of the biggest challenges is finding those nested Easter eggs within the world around us that we really jive with fully from front to back of our minds, and that we use that in, then in ways that seem, I don't want to, not, not miraculous, but let's just say amazing, maybe awe-inspiring. We use those in ways that aren't obvious to just the mundane mind. And as such, that's been labeled as witchcraft. It's, it's, that, that is what ends up getting you the term, somebody calling you a witch. That might be a good thing. That might be a bad thing. But it infers that you know something about the world, or at least about yourself, that allows you to manipulate or work within the world that seems disconnected and yet still related to others around you. In which case they go, what is that? It's fucking witchcraft. It's mysterious. We know it works. We don't know how. But that person knows how. They're a witch. And well, kinda... I think I think witchcraft over history has always had this aspect of it's somehow breaking the rules of society. Yeah, 
Yeah, and or giving you yeah, it's 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 almost like it's 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 cheating the game. Yeah, exactly. It's it's cheating, it's breaking the rules, it's bringing you power and abilities that you shouldn't have access Universe to. Universe hacking. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons I think people are so scared of it because it steps outside of what general society sees as the normal boundaries and talking about like casting circle and the floor is lava. Well, we are thoroughly on the lava side of things and people are freaked out by that. But then also in awe of it, if I saw someone walking around on lava, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> how do I do that? Or I guess you do see it with the, the coal walkers. So it's sort of that, that almost shock to the system when you see that and you, you say that shouldn't be physically possible. And, yet and we can break it down. I can, it. And I can tell you that it's physically possible. I can describe it. But if I put you in front of a long pit of burning embers that on measuring are in the range of a thousand degrees and say, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to put some water on your feet and it's going to evaporate and the wood and ash is going to insulate your feet and you're going to be able to walk across it with no issue. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. But your magical mind is not going to believe it. <laughs> You're still going to feel like there is imminent danger. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and it looks it, it looks to anyone else like like it's unbelievable. Like there are coincidences that we are in in attunement with, and I think that's another part of, of witchcraft as well. Is it's is that you. You become so familiar at a variety of levels with certain things in your environment that you begin to take on what I what has been coined as divine nonchalance, the ability to walk throughout the world, conscious or otherwise of it, and move in such a way that you avoid harm or it moves you in the direction of what you desire that you choose to cross the street in one way versus another, not because you know why, but because it feels like the right thing to do. And days ago, you'd express that you were, wanted to focus on looking for love and you end up bumping into somebody because you took a, a strange turn and went a different direction. You end up bumping into and connecting with and, and initiating a conversation with somebody who ends up changing your life. Uh, that's, that is a really bad definition of divine nonchalance, but it's, it's very similar in that regard. That synchronicity, that, that, that ability to kind of be in sync with the world around you and things start popping up that, that are ironic coincidences. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a whole level, a whole other level of operation that, that brings into your world a new flavor of operating. And I don't see it so much as a means of communicating the world as a more a means of like dancing. Well, I think it's, with, yeah, dancing with the world, moving within the world. It's, it's also, I think, almost a way of, I don't know, I feel like saying embracing your fear is maybe not the way to put it. But again, it's stepping outside of those normal boundaries and saying, what else is out there? What, what can... I find if I push the limits of what I think I'm already capable of. Like, sure. This is this is what I've been told I can do. What happens when I push past that? And I, I think you see this in so many different areas of the world. Look, we've got the Olympics coming up. Look at Simone Biles. 
who Mm -hmm. they're like, you can't do that. And she's like, watch me and I'll triple the difficulty on it. I I recently saw an interview with her and she was like, she essentially said that she, some of the stuff she had to commit to it, knowing that she could kill herself. Right. But knowing that she had the ability to do it and she just has to like push past that fear of physical limitation because she knows she can do it. And for me, I think a lot of witchcraft is kind of like that is you're pushing past that limit of what you think you can do yourself and and seeking that next step up, (laughs) that next, maybe not level up, but that next step in the world uh, Mm -hmm. around you. And I think anyone who like you can break it down even further, like forget witchcraft, anyone who's left home, right? Talking about being a good witch or a bad witch when I, I go home, I left home. And a lot of people never do. And so that already makes me suspect. (laughs) In a lot of people's mind, I left the boundary of my hometown of safety, right, of of family and community that I grew up in. And that was one of the things said to me when I originally left is, we can't come help you if something goes wrong. And it's sort of that we are trying to take care of you and protect you from the big bad world, right? And if you leave this bubble, this, this sphere of the community you grew up in, we can no longer help you. But for me, I knew I had to leave to take that next step in my life. So maybe that was an act of witchcraft in that sense, right? (laughs) But I think a lot of people do these things outside of the realm of witchcraft, but it's, it's the same thing in that sense. Okay. Yeah. I I certainly can't disagree with that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's no simple answer. I think is what we've come down to. Like it's it's a it's a lifestyle. It's 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 what when when you say it's witchcraft, it's it's what witch do. Now I've got was it the Frank Sinatra song witchcraft stuck in my head. It's witchcraft. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah yeah, but ultimately it depends on where it's used from. Like if it's from the perspective of a witch, it's just simply what witch do. What it's it's what you do in order to stay in connection with the universe around you. From the outside, it is used as a means of indicating the mysterious, the 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 suspiciously ironic influence that a person might have over their world, and as a result, potentially over your world, because we're all kind of interconnected. So it, I think it also kind of depends on where it's being used from, right? It's it's very subjective in that very, sense. Very, very subjective. Um, very subjective on all levels. And, and this is... Th- Go ahead. Any person you ask is going to give you a different answer on this one, I think. But more importantly, it depends on whether or not a person's a witch. <laughs> like, I think a witch will have a far less threatening definition than somebody who is not a witch. Yeah, no, right. but again, that, that goes back to sort of the things we've already talked misconceptions. about. Misconceptions. And just people just don't know. They literally don't know. And if you've only ever seen a witch in The Wizard of Oz, right, and you've never been exposed to the, the modern spiritual movement of witchcraft, you're not going to know. <laughs> yeah. And for those who have only operated within the modern witchcraft spiritual movement they're going to think something very different than someone who studies witchcraft historically and i think at a certain point a lot of people who are in the modern spiritual movement will look at witchcraft historically but probably in a very different context than a historian will i i my thesis was on greek and roman 
witches. And and that's a very different thing than the witches you find in the Middle Ages and in the witch hunts and the sort of that side of it. So it, we're all going to have different, very, very different perspectives on how we see witchcraft and then how we personally relate to it. Well, then that rolls up to our next question. How is witchcraft different than sorcery? That's an interesting question. I think for me, the... <sighs> This is gonna. I, this is gonna sound weird. I, I don't know if I've ever vocally tried to break this down. Witchcraft to me is a lot more natural, and when I think sorcery, I think high magic and like alchemy and like sort of the science side of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Whereas witchcraft is much more dealing with the natural elements and the things in the world around us. I don't want to say it's low magic. You can certainly do high magic if we want to get into that side of things, if we're talking about witchcraft. But with sorcery, it's like I I feel like sorcerers are the sort of the scientists of the magical community. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you want to turn lead into gold, you're going to go to a sorcerer. I think sorcery is also like you find that a little more on the fantastical side of things, on the fantasy side of things. Usually, I've found that people who claim to be sorcerers um, are sometimes selling you something. (laughs) That that might be my own personal experience. I don't know. I, I don't want to insult any sorcerers out there. I know there are many about, but yeah, sorcery to me is the on the more fantastical side of the scale. Yeah, I could see that. This was a rough one because I've got a feeling for it. But the problem with the feeling for it is that feelings about a particular word come from how it's used. Yeah. And I I think how you're exposed to its use. And I think this is definitely one where like pop culture kind of comes into it a little bit more. The Sorcerer's Stone. Sort of. There's some natural biases out there. And since this is not my realm at all, that's probably my natural biases coming out <laughs> on what a sorcerer is yeah <clears throat> so I, I but i would tend to agree with you to a, a certain extent my general feel before actually kind of looking up a few things was exactly that that your witch is more natural your witch is you go outside and and your witch can look around and identify the the variety of vegetation can tell you how it's used can tell you how you might use it in the world around you or how it might influence a person and it could just be through just through personal experimentation could be through a history or a lineage of usage, but it's, it's getting to know your world in a way that most people don't know and that people will then come to you to kind of sort of seek your guidance on that, right? If there was a particular mushroom that grew near your house in the woods and you knew how to use that mushroom 50 different ways, be it to provoke uh, healing in a person for a particular ailment or to provoke visions and the different ways that you could sort of suss out th- the use of that. People would come to you because they didn't know Jack squat about that. You, you might use that to produce an effect that because it's so far beyond the knowledge of the people that come to you for it, that it seems like witchcraft We're going back to the witchcraft word really. But f- as far as sorcery is concerned, it does seem more technical. It does seem more sort of sciency, or maybe it's more experimental on the self. But when we kind of break down the word and we dive deep into into the Latin of it, so it, it's really like, for example, where the word sort comes from, because it's the Latin, vulgar Latin is sorteric. And if you break it down even further, your proto-Indo-European sir, which means to bind. So a lot of the 
a lot of the concepts of sorcery means to bind spirits to do your will or, or people who are professionals in have their own expertise in binding to do will. It's a, it's a direct manipulation, be it of the spirit world or of people in order to get someone else to do your work. Hmm. And and even if you look up definition, it's very difficult to kind of nail down because definition can be as, as far flung as just a, a male person who performs magic to, in some cases, somebody who who is able to control other spirits in order to to perform whatever deeds need to be done. And I think when you get down to like the breaking the word apart at its root, that's kind of where it comes to. But today, though, sorcery just seems more like bending, <clears throat> bending reality to your will. And that could be your reality. That might be someone else's reality, but it may not necessarily mean enslaving spirits to go around and, and do your dirty work. Right. So I, I think that's the main difference. I think witchcraft seeks to to bend the will of the self. I think sorcery focuses outward. If we I had to like really break down the good, difference. That's a good good way to break it down. That's a good definition. All right. So are we good for the next question then? I think we are. What is one of the most common traits of a witch? We already know right off the bat, a ward on the nose. We all have one. <laughs> we do. I guess mine hasn't come in yet. I haven't been a witch long enough. Give it enough. time. Give it time. Give it time. Um, you just, you've got to work on your witchcraftiness. I, I, I guess. I mean, I would have said the, the pointy hat and the broom, right? <laughs> Those I there's have. a mark. I there's hear there's a, a mark. There's a oh there's the a... witch's mark. Yeah, I, I yeah. do have a few of those. I I do try to avoid those witch finders. I don't want them to find the witch mark I have. the The black cat is a, certainly another one. There are stereotypes. That's what we're really asking about here. Or what are stereotypes for witches? Right. What are the most common? Well, we can say common traits as in like. I guess there's two forms. There's there's your stereotypes, and then there's the reality of it, right? And and I think your stereotypes are is that they wear all black. Yeah, I was going to say um, that the goth thing, the, the fact that witches are goth yeah. in appearance and lifestyle. You know, a lot of non-goth witches. <laughs> that they always practice in the dark. Under uh, the full moon, that there are blood sacrifices. Hold on to your animals and your men. And your babies. Yes. Oh, and your babies. And your penises. And I hear they penises. steal penises. Yeah. If, if y'all didn't That's a know, thing. historically, witches supposedly stole men's penises. This was a, a really big fear. <laughs> if you've never picked up the, the Malleus Maleficarum. Witch it's, hammer. It's quite the wild ride in a lot of ways. I was on social media and somebody had posted a little information about that. And I said... Every witch should have this book. And somebody came back and said, why? And I was like, this still goes on today. It's, it's a book of, of rationalizing harm based on the suspicion that is, is without evidence. And it's using religion to, to, to hammer. You know, make you feel good about it. To make you feel okay about doing bad things. To, to hammer away at witchcraft, right? Or any right. any group that scares you. Um, I mean, it is, it, in a lot of ways, a really horrible read 
especially if you are a practicing witch, it's a, a really horrifying thing to see what they suggest people do to, to witches, the sort of the justice they're looking for. But I, I think you're absolutely right in that everyone should should own a copy and be aware of that sort of rationalization. Right. That's true. And what's important to note here is that that as far as the length of history, if, if maybe human history is concerned, the period of time where this book was leveraged as a means of hunting and torturing and persecuting and executing people, people, humans, for what they suspected was different between the people doing the hunting and the people being hunted out. That's that was that was yesterday. In relation to, in in relation to the, the whole history of, of human civilization, it was it was a fleeting moment ago. It was just yesterday. This shit could still happen today. That shit still is happening today. Say, just dude. yesterday, a woman had her head cut off because she was suspected of witchcraft in India. Well, and there are people here in the United States who are afraid to be out as witches. Because yeah. they're afraid of what people in their community will do to them. Yeah. And it it can go from just light verbal conflict, which in and of itself can be jarring. And I've dealt with that unprovoked verbal conflict because they saw I was wearing a pentacle. To all out being targeted for with malicious intent, with violence. There are. And, and people feel they have this, this inner drive. They have this this rationalization and and they they turn it into a, that they're justified in expressing harm onto others uh, because because their their faith believes it's okay or because they believe that somebody has a leg up in the world that's being used against them or being used against others again it's it's considered life hacking and although it's not fully understand not fully understood by most people as to what exactly that means but but yeah, it's it's the belief that that a certain subset group of people are using Satan in order to give them powers to subvert others, and, and they see that in direct opposition to their beliefs and, and into what they perceive as a good world, and it's not. It's quite the opposite. So yeah, that's kind of a big deal. You need to read that book. That should be, I believe, in every witch's library. And you should have at least scanned over it to, to look at the kinds of accusations that were taken very seriously. And while they may seem absurd today, it, it's human rationale. Those same kinds of arguments could be used even today, given a less peaceful situation. Well, again, look at the satanic panic of the 80s. It's oh, yeah. exactly what that was. It's exactly what that was. And that definitely still lingers in our, our contemporary consciousness. It, it really is not that far off. And generally speaking, I, I am very lucky. I live in a very big city, a very big liberal city. I am generally not afraid to be out and open about what I am, but I am always viscerally reminded <laughs> of that when I leave the city. And I have definitely been in certain places where I have felt very uncomfortable <laughs> looking the way I do. Right. Yeah, it can be. So there are traits that, that people assume 
on the outside. There are traits that are defined within historical books as a means of hunting witches. But where are, what are actual traits? Like, what, what's the reality of this? That if you saw somebody and you kind of went down the list to go, oh, I wonder if that person's a witch. Again, I, that's, this is going to vary across so many different communities. But when the, when the gal looked at you and said, looked at the Bach books, looked at you and said, well, this is on brand. <laughs> so I am very heavily tattooed with a lot of mythological symbols, a lot of runic symbols. I'm not currently wearing a pinnacle. I'm currently wearing a, a moon necklace. What was I wearing yesterday? I think I was just all in black. Yeah, I was just very much. Of course, I'm in really New York. Really filling so that stereotype, like, huh? But I live in New York, so like wearing all black <laughs> is, is kind of yeah. like everyone's wearing black. I don't. I, I wasn't wearing anything specifically witchy, fashionably. I, I have a lot of rings. I do know a lot of witches who wear a lot of jewelry. If you come into my home, I have a lot of like sort of mythological and goddess and spiritual like artwork. I have a lot of crystals. What else do I have in my home? So you're like a magpie. I am a little bit like a magpie. We like to <laughs> pick up pretty things and keep them and display them. I have cats. I do know a lot of witches with, and I wouldn't say just cats, but animals in general. We, we like our animals. I do feel I don't have black cats. I have tuxedo kitties. So I'm a horrible witch because I don't have black cats. I don't know. I can generally pick a witch out of a crowd. Why, though? Usually, if you get into certain conversations, you'll, you'll talk a little bit more about energy and the subconscious. I don't know. It's also, you'll, you'll have to forgive me since the pandemic. I really haven't been out much. <laughs> I don't know. What do you talk to people about anymore? A lot of times, people will see some of my tattoos and realize that I'm at least in the community. And that will sort of open the doorway to certain conversations I've definitely had people op open up conversations in public using my tattoos sort of as that entryway into that conversation. I had a woman come up to me in Union Square at one point, and I've been down in Union, Union Square a lot lately, I guess, who asked if I could read her cards. <laughs> so I guess I, I have the look, and of course I could say yes. And I was like, well, I don't have a deck on me. And she's like, well, if I bought a deck, would you read my cards? And I was like, of course I would. You got a deck know. of cards out of that, though, right? I did get a deck of cards out of that, a very nice deck of cards. So, yeah, I think sometimes you, you'll get people who have, I, I hate to say use this word, but it's true, sort of that hippie vibe. Um, so that's that's definitely a thing. Usually I find people in the community are just a lot more open. <laughs> They're not usually freaked out by me. It was funny. We were I was at work the other day, and two of my male colleagues were lamenting that they don't get catcalled anymore <laughs> on the street. <laughs> and this was like a natural progression. It was definitely not an inappropriate conversation. Uh, you know, it was sort of end of day as we were walking out the door and one of my colleagues has this hat that's falling apart. And I've been joking with him that he needs to buy a new hat because the hat is no longer doing what it's functionally supposed to do, which is cover your head. Like there's literally uh -huh. a, a huge hole in, in the top of the hat. And he was like, but the other day, this woman stopped me on the street and she meant it and complimented me on my hat. <laughs> and right. I kind of started this conversation. And uh, I, I was like, people never cat call me. I always get the sign of the cross. Like, literally, I, I scare old ladies 
all the time. Like I'll just be sitting there and I'll get someone who will throw the sign of the cross at me. And this is in New York City. Yeah, I was on the the subway in the winter. I was very covered up too. I don't think you could see my tattoos. And this little old lady threw the sign of the cross at me. And and did she uh, cross herself or did she like? She crossed herself while like looking at me directly. Like it was very like like you were gonna infect her, and she was like putting up the shield. (laughs) And and one of my colleagues joked that that was the energy I carry. <laughs> it was like great, like so I freak people out. But yeah, you know, so like months and months ago, I, we've talked about my dating life. I was on the the dating websites, and I was talking to a guy who saw my Instagram account, and his uh, comment back to me was, "Well, this is very." artistic (laughs) and I was like you're not one of my people you're just not one of my people right so I think for for me and I've always joked over the years when I go to the grocery store little kids usually react to me in one of two ways Um, they're either kind of scared of me and like I'll see Mm -hmm. them hide behind their parents or they're absolutely fascinated and I've always joked over the years that those are the kids that are going to come seek me out later in life right for for what I do it's really like I really do find it fascinating to like watch little kids in in public spaces in that context. So anyway, I don't know. There's just there's a vibe, there's a feel, and I think like recognizes like in some ways. <laughs> and usually the people who are like drawn to me, especially in public, because I don't I don't talk to people in public. That's a very like I don't know. I guess that changes a little bit depending on what city I'm in. And how like open and friendly people are like in the South, I always would have said hello to people on the sidewalk. But like, I generally don't just strike up conversations with strangers. Sure. In public, I generally avoid that. I'm an introvert. So it's always interesting when people are sort of drawn to me in that sense. And who want to strike up a conversation. And sometimes it has nothing to do with witchcraft. Sometimes it's just just being heavily tattooed. People will approach you in that sense. But there are definitely people who like will avoid me (laughs) very specifically and then there are people who just want to talk to me and find it really fascinating and I generally find with other witches we kind of usually recognize each other just in terms of the things we're wearing I had a man say to me the other day in public blessed be and I returned the greeting and it was just a casual and passing oh I see you and I see you yeah, yeah, it was the nod. Yeah, we in on this. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of a nice little exchange. It wasn't having someone throw the, the sign of the cross at me. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think if we were talking about very specific traits, the first off is going to be very intentional symbolism. It's going to be use of colors and rings, jewelry, accoutrements, uh, if you will, of the body. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say that tattoos. Like of of the two of us, like I'm the very like openly obvious one. I don't think you are. Like you don't stand out necessarily. I mean, you're you're wearing sort of the the puffy poet shirt right now, but I daily like this. Yeah. Is I go out with this shirt, <laughs> but but to, to point though, you're right. Like if, when I dress up for work, you'd never. I said on them, but never. I generally it, speaking, it's subtle. It's yeah, far more subtle. Yeah. When I when I go out, but you know, like I wear very bright and colorful and flamboyant, dare I say, shirts. Right. I enjoy that. I, so I think I think when we're talking about if you're if you're looking potentially for for traits of a witch, what you're really looking for, I believe, is a sign of eccentricism. Eccentric eccentricism. Eccentricity. A person who looks. 
eccentricity. A person who looks eccentric, a person who looks a little above and beyond the norm, a person who kind of stands out. And that can be tattoos. It might not be tattoos. It might be the clothes they wear. It might be the jewelry they wear, but it's all very intentional. So for example, with the hat, like, yeah, the hat didn't serve a functional purpose, but it served an intentional conversation purpose. Like if I saw somebody wearing something that I felt had like an intended purpose to it, and I would think, first off, here's a person who's thinking deeply about how they're interacting with the world around them. And that's kind of indicative of a person who is kind of on the path and moving in that direction. But if you want something more obvious, you're looking for very explicit symbols like a pentacle or a pentagram, for that matter. And the difference being a star without a circle versus a star with a circle. Uh, pentacle star with circle. And that is a very explicit symbol for the craft and craft work. It represents uh, a an impermeable space wherein you're working on the elements of your world and with your spirit self. There's your 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 five points. And you're doing it within a, a space that is protected. And that's your circle. Uh, and that's what that represents. And it's oftentimes, even in the smallest sense, a calling card. That when somebody sees that and they recognize it, and then you get the blessed bee, and that's how they know. That's kind of like, are you really, are you just wearing that because it's pretty? Or are you wearing that with intention? And then when they, if a person returns back with blessed bee or something along those lines, then you, it's kind of a, again, that wink and a nod. You've found somebody, one of us, uh, part of the fam, if you will. But it's, it's usually someone who seems sort of nature-oriented and eccentric in that regard. When you go back to the movie Practical Magic, uh, it, that there's this sort of form. Like the, the aunts weren't – they didn't wear black all the time, but they had – they were very sort of flowy. It was very much like you'd, you'd see them out wearing the, what we expect somebody to wear at a garden. Right. And that, that there was just kind of a, an ebb and flow and a dance. And yet at the same time, when you look at them, there are these little details that pop out that you're like, and these are also fairly eccentric individuals. Like their personality is really wrapped into how they portray themselves very intentionally. And I think that above all else, like if you're looking for a witch on the street, you're looking for eccentricity with, with a flair for nature communion with animals, uh, a, a, an obsession for the, the, the deep uses of herbs, right? Wanting to go out barefoot under the full moon in a circle that you can see this sort of pop through the personality as they express it in their clothing. So yeah, that, that, those could be ways that you might identify someone as a witch. Lastly, last question. What does the term witchcraft usually entail? And again, that's very similar to what does the term witchcraft mean, but I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate this into what is entailed by doing witchcraft. What does the practice actually look like? Yeah. I think casting a circle is very much a part of that. Mm-hmm. I think we all do it in shape, one shape or form or the other. I think, generally speaking, the altar as a symbol as a part of the practice, most witches I know have altars. Again, altars are going to vary greatly between everyone, but but we all have them. Prone to shrines, which is definitely different than the altar. That could be a, a separate conversation, I think. But we, we like our shrines. 
again, differing between people, paying attention to things like the moon phases. Mm-hmm. Some of us are religious, some of us aren't. But there is usually a magical element within our practice in terms of viewing the world magically. Yeah, I think those are all good. I would say that the practice of witchcraft is is seeking blissful synchronicity. And what I mean by that is when you get on this path, your, your circle and your altar and your symbols, your, your functional symbols, when I say by functional symbols, I mean your candles and the colors of those candles and the, the words or, or symbols that you might scribe into those candles to provoke certain feelings. What you're really looking for here is a, a level of synchronicity with the world around you and and trying to find a state wherein you can maintain a degree of blissfulness. And and I don't necessarily mean happiness. I think you can be blissful and not necessarily I think happy to be happy is a momentary thing. I think bliss is a state. Happy can come from a state of bliss, but is not necessarily how are you feeling in the moment? Well, I can, I can say blissful, but usually people will say happy. So I, I see blissfulness as a, a state that I try to maintain. I may not always be happy in an ongoing state of bliss, but I think happiness can stem from an ongoing state of bliss. So uh, it, that synchronicity with the world around me to maintain a place where I can experience joy and happiness and and that when problems come up, I can deal with it from an angle that lends me a degree of patience and in some cases a, a degree of entertainment because problems can be perceived as games and challenges that you, to overcome. And they might, not, they might be frustrating, but you know some of your favorite games have an element of frustration to it that make winning the game all that much more enjoyable that you can maintain a state of bliss in playing a game that's frustrating and enjoy the process as well as the end result. So, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, that's, that's, that is the, that, that is what entails witchcraft to me is just, is trying to maintain a, a state of universal synchronicity in order to, to keep a, a sort of blissful perspective on the world. And, and keep in mind, that's not to say that, everything should be light. Like you should embrace darkness as well. But again, you, you can live a life of bliss and work both in light and dark because you have to have both. And really positive things can come from tackling both. Again, bliss being a state of mind. And, and thus, if I'm in the woods and I'm looking to nature to help me out, I might find the perfect limb that I can carve and I might find a brush that I can use to make a broom or basin from in order to make it easier for me to brush the dirt from my house. I might seek a peace of mind wherein I, I do a certain sigil or I, I put the broom in a certain place and that ensures that my relationship is going to be more stable. And, and again, a part of that is all frame of mind. If I believe it to be true, then my actions and my words are going to follow in line with my beliefs. So the broom may not make my relationship better, but believing that the broom does may put me in a frame of mind that sets me up to make that relationship better communication-wise. So it's, it's using the world around you. 
and and the the synchronicity within that world in order to maintain a state of bliss. Yeah, I'll fall back on that. That's my answer for today. It'll probably be different tomorrow. <laughs> well, and again, between the two of us, very different answers, right? Right, right. Very different and, perspectives. And neither wrong. No, neither wrong. No, yeah. neither wrong. All right. <clears throat> I think that wraps up all the questions that AI had for us today. And might I add, a, a, like a set of decent questions, too. Like, like these are the kinds of questions I wish people would ask. Yeah. No, I thought these were, were great introductory questions to the craft. Um, that if you are new to this path, new to this journey, there are things that you should consider. And consider how you view your place, your role within these things. How you want the craft to work for you in your life. You're going to find people on many different paths in, in the community. Not all are right for you. Most of them probably aren't. There are a lot of people that will tell you what witchcraft is very specifically and won't vary from that definition. I think that this is one of those, we've talked about this in the path, past, that this is a, a living, growing path that you're on. And those definitions can change for you over time. Mine certainly have. My needs out of this path have changed over time. And that's, that's okay. And you should absolutely be reaching and seeking for yourself and finding what works to help you on this journey. So if you're new to this, talk to a lot of different people. Read yeah. a lot of different or, sources. You know, talk to a computer. Talk to a computer. <laughs> sit there, well, <laughs> sit there and think about what are your answers to these types of questions. You don't have to have been on the path for, for years and years like we have to ask yourself these questions and expect the answers to evolve and change. You'll, you'll find yourself in very specific places in your life that will affect how you view, view the answers to these questions. So I think that, again, it was like we were talking about, I think in one of our recent podcasts, when, when you're teaching students and you're walking them through the elevations and the tests that you yourself went through as a student, as a teacher, you learn new things and get different things out of those tests and experiences the, the older you get, the more you do them. Your perspective shifts and changes. And it's something I like to revisit as someone who has gone through those things already. And we have a certain set of meditations that my students do at a certain point in their training. I like going back to those meditations and redoing them. They change every year. The things I get out of them change every year. And while it's seen as sort of a, an apprentice exercise, it makes you refocus and re-examine the world around you and what you're doing within it and how you're interacting with the world on a magical level. So it's not like you do these things once and you've passed the test and they're never relevant or valid again. These are mm -hmm. things that you can revisit over and over and over and over. It's kind of like reading the same book over and over again. You're going to get something new out of it every time you're going to see a you're going to realize detail. you missed something yeah yeah and i think that's a, a really amazing thing to to like build on those answers that you think you already have or to find a new path to explore or say okay well i didn't focus on this last time so now it's time to focus on this specific thing but you have all the time in the world to to keep seeking 
And that's one of yep. the things I love about this path. It yeah, probably goes back too. to my answer of what witchcraft is. It's the continual seeking of that next thing, that next step. Yeah. And, and the, the deeper you go, the more you find, the, the, the more I feel like you're rewarded, the more you can use it in your life to, to do cool things. Okay. So with that said, um, folks, if you found this interesting, reach out to us. We're on Facebook at Witchcraft Deconstructed. If you do a search on Google for us, you'll find all the places where you can listen to us. And of course, if uh, you want to work your own magic, feel free to rate us and leave us a review. Ask us a question. Interact with us. Uh, a few people have actually reached out to us and we love hearing from people. So if you enjoyed the show, if you've got questions or there's just something you want us to want to talk about, let us know at any of those places. Otherwise, uh, we'll wrap up the show. This is your resident wizard, Reverend Wade. And I'm your librarian and witch, Cassandra. Again, I just barely got that out. <laughs> Great. Have an awesome day.